Well, we are in a series called Good Together, and this is week three, and we're talking about relationships. We all have relationships in our life, but what I have enjoyed about this series is it's not the typical relationship series. You know, admit it, you all get that pit in your stomach when you hear it's a relationship series because the first week we're going to talk to all the singles and try not to single them out. And then the second week, we're going to talk to, like, dating people and engaged people. We're going to be like, slow your roll, you know, calm down. The next week, we're going to talk to married people and tell them how to fight as if they don't know how to fight. And then in an attempt to make everyone feel just a little bit uneasy, we're going to talk about sex for a week. Like, did I nail it? Is that, is that the typical marriage or civil relationship series? But in Good Together, we've been focusing on answering this question. How do I get better? so that I can have better relationships. Because how many of you know, if you want healthy relationships, you have to have healthy people. We all want the beautiful fruit of relationships, but we don't always want to deal with the roots. And if we leave our roots unchecked, it can lead to all kinds of problems. And we'll never be able to have the kind of relationships that God wants us to have if we never take time to look at our roots. So with the time that I have with you today, I want to keep with this theme and do a little soul work, a little self-reflection. And I have four thoughts for you that I think if you, can, um, if you can apply these, if you can grab hold of them, it will bring some freedom to you and help you to move forward in your relationships and have them be all that God has created them to be. Now, on Monday, I spent way too much time watching the funeral of the queen. Did anybody else get sucked into that for way too many hours? No, just me. Okay, good. Um, it's okay. I don't have to work on Mondays. So um, as I was watching this funeral, one of the newscasters was talking about how London had never been more secure. It was, the security was tight, I think is what they said. And it's because every official that came to London for the Queen's funeral brought with them their form of the Secret Service. And I got to thinking, like, what does the Secret Service actually do? You know, you see them in suits and sunglasses, and they're talking in the cuff of their suit. What do they actually do? Well, I Googled it, and the Secret Service, they serve in a way that is unseen, and part of their mission is to prevent incident before it occurs. So then I got to thinking about relationships, and I thought, if we want thriving and strong and life-giving relationships, we have to prevent some things before it occurs. Like, wouldn't that just help you out? Wouldn't that save you some frustration if you could prevent some things before they occur? Well, if you are taking notes today, and I hope you are, I'm calling this message, Your Secret Service. Before we dive into this message, let's pray together. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that it's the day that you have made and that we can rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, right now, I just ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning. We thank you for your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you were here last week, you may remember that we were celebrating 11 years of being a church. And so we've kind of kept the celebration going on. And as a staff this week, we decided to go on a field trip, complete with sack lunches that only two of us remembered to bring. Very typical field trip behavior. 
So we loaded up in some cars and we went all around Lawrence taking a trip down memory lane. And we walked around our venues that we had used. We went to places where we had offices and where we held events for baptisms and worships, worship nights. And it was so good to just recall our history and be really in awe of God's faithfulness to us right now. And, and as we were doing this, I started thinking about my version of the birth story of Velocity. It's a mom thing. Like, moms love to talk about birth stories. Like, how long were you in labor? Well, I was in labor for four years because the church is 11, but really it was conceived 15 years before, or 15 years ago. So really I wasn't in labor four years, but it felt like it. Um, when my husband came to me and he said, I want to start a church, I said to him, okay, I have some rules. Because I like rules. I said to him, rule number one, if I ever have to choose ministry or family, I'm choosing family. Rule number two, don't expect me to be a perky peppy pastor's wife out in the lobby just loving on everyone. Like God gave me a scowl face for a reason, okay? And rule number three, don't make me preach. 11 years in, he's held fast to one of those rules. I'll let you guess which one it is. Um, but he's in California and I'm here with my family. So anyway, Normally, I am not an anxious person. I don't have to work through a lot of anxiety issues, and I don't say that to brag. I just, that's just who I am. But when it comes to, to preaching a message, especially a message within a relationship series, I would rather sit on a cactus because I'm horrible at relationships. I like to do things that I can do really well like really well, and if I can't do them well, I'm not very interested in doing them. And relationships, they're hard for me for a number of reasons. I don't like high drama. I don't really like going out all that much. I kind of don't like smiling. I really don't like small talk. And when I do talk, I'm really awkward and my mouth moves faster than my brain. It doesn't mean I talk fast, it just means that I'm always like, why did I say that? Like, that made no sense. Stop talking. It's like I'm yelling at myself to shut up, but I can't, you know? And when it comes to preaching messages, what do I know about relationships? I could tell you what not to do. Add in the pressure of standing up here in a room where I'm not sure if you're bored or tired or you're thinking about the chiefs or I'm just a really horrible communicator combined with the weight of communicating God's word and then leaving the platform and thinking, why did I say, why did I say that? And then I have to be out in the lobby, and I mean, what are you gonna say to me in the lobby? Like, you really tanked that one, when's pastor coming back? I mean, you're not rude, so you're not gonna say that. Like, it's so much pressure. And this is when all of my doubts and insecurities come up from the depths of my soul, and I just, they just spill out everywhere. Now, I have come a long way in 11 years. And while this is not the most comfortable place for me to be, I have learned how to do it. And I'm growing in it, and I recognize I'm getting better. You don't have to come up to me and be like, you're, you're good, you're fine. I had someone after the first service be like, you really speak to the ladies well. So sorry, men. Um, <laughs> you're welcome, ladies. 
But if you ever want to feel better about your insecurities, just follow me around the week that I'm preaching, and you will most definitely feel better about yourself. But we all have some insecurities that we deal with. And I hate to tell you this, this is not just a girl issue. Guys, <laughs> you've got some insecurities too. Young people, mature people, socially elite people, people who don't present themselves as they have it all together, we all have insecurities. We all have times where we have self-doubt, where we lack self-confidence, where we're anxious and apprehensive and shaky and unsure. We all have times where we let the inner critic be the playlist in our mind. And the enemy loves, 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 loves to keep us in a place of insecurity because insecurity creates instability. And when instability creeps in, we won't be all that God wants us to be. Our relationships won't be all that God has created them to be. You see, if I'm living out of a place of insecurity, I can't be the wife I need to be to Justin. I can't be the mom that I need to be for my kids. I can't be the leader or the employee. I can't be the coworker or the friend or the sister I'm meant to be if I'm living in insecurity because I won't bring my full self to the relationship equation. I won't bring the true me. I'll hide behind a mask. And all of my thoughts and my ideas, I won't bring those to the conversations. I won't bring my confidence and the value that's inside of me. I'll be withholding these things from the relationship if I'm living in a place of insecurity. And I think too often our relationships get sabotaged because we live in a place of insecurity. You know, insecurity could be the reason why the marriage didn't make it. Insecurity could be the reason why you don't show up for family functions anymore. Insecurity could be the reason the friend cut you off or you cut the friend off. Insecurity will lead you to comparison, and we all know what comparison will do. And the enemy just loves to feed on your insecurity and keep you from all that God has for you. Now, the bad news about insecurity is we're all going to have to deal with it. But the good news is we don't have to stay insecure because we can grow and we can get better and learn how to overcome it. But how do we do that? How do we not let insecurity keep us stuck and make our relationships dysfunctional? Well, I'm going to use a passage of Scripture in Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles with you today, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And if you don't have your Bibles with you today, that's completely okay because we're in a relationship series. So if you're married to the person that you're sitting by, just snuggle on up to them and peek over their shoulder. If you're single and sanctified, choose the screen behind me. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians while he was in prison. So I think he probably understood a thing or two about insecurity. We're going to read just a few verses from this chapter and pull out some secrets you need to know to help you avoid the trap of insecurity. So let's start in Ephesians 1, verse 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The first way we can avoid or get out of the trap of insecurity is to understand that Everything I need, I already have. If you need peace, you already have it. If you need joy, you have it. If you need comfort, you have it. If you need confidence, you have it. If you need security, you have it. 
We don't have to walk around unsure, insecure, with doubt. Why? Because everything I need, I already have. We can be confident in this because if you have a relationship with Christ, if you've put your faith in him, and if you haven't done that, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that before we leave today. But when you place your faith in Christ, then everything he has, you get it too. If heaven has it to offer, then it's yours. Now, I wanted to make sure that I was communicating spiritual blessings correctly, so I Googled it. Your family, your health, your job, material things, those are all blessings, and they are great. But what Paul is talking about is the unseen, eternal blessings. To live a fulfilled life, we don't need the material things in life. If God blesses us with it, then by all means, enjoy it. But you don't need it to feel some security in your life. Spiritual blessings are what helps us make it through life. It's the hope of heaven. It's forgiveness. It's healing. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And when you put your faith in Christ, all of these blessings become yours. Everything you need for life God has given it to you. But even though it's available to every follower of Jesus, we don't always access it. In case you didn't know this, I have four children, three boys and a girl. And I have to say, I'm, I'm a good mom, at least the best mom they have. Now, one of the ways that I show my love to my children is making sure that our pantry is well-stocked with the things that they enjoy. You may not find a lot of fruit in there, but you will certainly find fruit roll-ups. And the rule of our pantry is that if it's in there and you can see it, you can have it. So that means if I get something that I don't want to be eaten, then I have to put it out of sight. I have to put it up high. And I have a special spot on the top shelf. Now, Pippa, my daughter, has discovered that, uh, that I do this with her favorite thing, Krispy Kreme donut holes. She knows that they are in there. She knows that they're available, but she knows she can't get them. Even if she tries to get a stool or a chair, she can't get it. But she is resourceful. And so she knows if she goes and gets her dad and he lifts her up, suddenly she has access to what's on the top shelf in the pantry. Sometimes the only way to really access everything that God has for you is to just get in his arms and let him lift you up. And you'll start to see that not only is this available, but now I can have it too. So if you understand that, why would you go looking for things and places that don't fulfill you when you already have everything you need? Look what the Bible says in 2 Peter verse or chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him. How do we get it? Through our knowledge of Him, who has called us by His own glory and goodness. In other words, the more intimate I get with the Father, the more access I have to everything that is available to me. So why live secure, insecure when I already have security? Relationships with one another, they are a good thing, and they are important. That's why we're always telling you, 
get in a group, join a group. We're saying you need the community of church. Prioritize the weekend to be here. Build this community because it's important. But you don't do these things in order to find security because you've already been given security through Christ. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Let's keep reading. Verse 4 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us, the one he loves. You can live securely because before the world was created, God saw your worth. The verse says he chose you before the creation of the world. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Like, this is mind-blowing to me. God doesn't just tolerate you. He chose you. He wants you. Before the heavens and the earth were created, before the universe was spoken into existence, God put a plan in place for you. He chose you. He wanted you. He liked you. He knew what your personality would be. He knew you'd have those quirks. He knew the things that would make you laugh and the things that would break your heart. And he still said, I want you. It's not like God's mom was throwing a birthday party and made him invite everyone in the class. God actually wants you. He wants to be with you. That's incredible news, friends. How would that change your self-esteem if you really believed this truth? It might make you walk with a little more confidence, a little more assurance, a little more swag. I like to call it a holy cockiness. If you walked in that truth before that before the world was created, God saw your worth, you'd stop attaching your worth to the wrong things in life. Your value is not in the size of your house or in the car that you drive or the amount of money that you have in the bank or the lifestyle that you get to live. All of those things are great. And I hope that God blesses you and you want to bless me and take me on vacation. But why would we lower ourselves to this standard when we have such a high calling that the God of the universe chose me and he chose you and he chose you and you and you and all of you? As the mom of this place, I feel like I need to, I need to mother just a little bit. Are you guys okay with that? Can I, can I mother just a little bit? Can I speak to the, to the high school students, the middle school students? Maybe can I be like the cool older sister to the college kids, the young adults? The generation that you guys are in right now, the time and the place that you are growing up in and experiencing things, it's hard. It's a hard time. It's not easy. You're facing things that I did not face just five years ago. Challenges. And as you're navigating this time, I really want you to know your value, your worth is too great, too high for you to be walking around 
giving people discounts on your life. What do I mean by that? Stop allowing whoever to just come into your life and treat you the way they treat you. Say the things that they want to say about you. Make you compromise on your values and your standards. You have too much worth to God. He values you so much, you're not a clearance rack item. You are not in the bargain bin. You are a full price Louis Vuitton handbag and the right person will come along and they will have no problem paying full price for you because not only do you know your worth, but they know your worth. Value yourself enough to stop giving out the discount coupons, to stop compromising in areas that you know you know better than. Relational security isn't just having a husband or a wife. It's having the right husband or the right wife. It's not about just having people or friends in your life. It's about having the right people in your life. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. What Peter is saying here is that at the end of the day, when you chase everything that the world wants you to chase to find security, you end up empty. But God paid a ransom to save you. He paid for you with the precious blood of his son. How valuable you are to God that he was willing to buy you with the blood of his son. Let that sink in for a minute. This is not metaphorical. It's not poetic. This is literal. He purchased your salvation with his son's own blood. How valuable you must be to God. One of the most valuable things that, that I own is my wedding ring. I, I take special care of it. I have a jewelry box that I keep it in when I'm not wearing it. It's a symbol of, of my covenant with my husband and our commitment. It's special. It's probably the most expensive thing I have. And if I ever lost it, I would be very heartbroken. I would be devastated. But I don't think I would shed someone's blood to find it. But you were lost, and you were so valuable to the Father that he said, the only way I can find that lost item is to give my son, to let nails go through his hands and his feet, to let a crown of thorns rest on his head and a spear in his side. I want them so much, I'm willing to shed my son's blood to purchase them. So knowing that, don't ever lower yourself again to think that you aren't valuable or worth it because the God of the universe not only chose you, but he paid the price of the blood of his son to get you. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. There are some benefits to being in God's family. Do any of you like benefits? Any of you like some perks in life? 
I'm a big fan of benefits and perks. I like getting things that I didn't have to buy or, or work hard for or achieve a certain level to have. And one of the best perks that I have as the pastor's wife at Velocity Church is I have my own parking spot. Now, I admit it's kind of self-proclaimed, but it's mine. I didn't have to buy it. I didn't have to work hard to earn it. I can't get kicked out of it. If you tried to park in it, people would tell you to just move along. I have security knowing that whenever I show up and whatever time I show up, my spot is saved. I know that's kind of a ridiculous example, but I want you to understand that you have some perks too. You've been redeemed by the blood. You have forgiveness of your sins. You have grace lavished upon you. And you have reserved parking. You have a place. You have a spot. You have a seat at the table in the kingdom of God. And you didn't earn it. You can't buy it. You also can't be kicked out of it because your spot is secure. That should give you a lot of security deep within your soul to know that your seat is safe, that your spot is secure. It came because of grace, and it will remain because of grace. Your seat is safe. Your spot is secure. And here's the practical application for you. When you know that your spot in heaven is safe, you can be secure in relationships because you're not living for the approval of others. You are living for God's approval, and guess what? He already, he already approves of you. That's really great news. But I think sometimes we allow insecurity to creep in because we make a bad choice, or we do something wrong, and we think, oh, I just blew it, or I keep blowing it, and God's not going to want me. God's going to kick me out of my spot. When you were a kid, did you ever play the seatback game? If you aren't familiar with this life-changing game, I'm sorry that your childhood was robbed out of this joy. But the seatback game is where if you get out of your seat, you had to yell seatback so that when you came back, you could still have your seat. And if you didn't yell seatback, someone could take your seat and then you'd just be out of luck and have to sit on the floor. But guess what? No matter how much we mess up or how many mistakes we make, or how many times we do things on our own way, if you have a relationship with Christ, if you've placed your faith in him, the moment you make a sinful choice, God yells on your behalf, seat back. She gets her seat back. He, his seat is safe. There's plenty of room here for everyone to come, so I'm just going to keep their seat. I'm not going to let anyone else take it. When we are in Christ, our spot is secure. And when you can fully grasp a hold of this truth, your security is set. When you know it's grace that gets you there and grace that keeps you there, you don't have to act or perform a certain way because your spot is secure. I told you that I, I, I struggle with having the words to, to share with you when I preach, and just the whole process is hard, but I also struggle with this idea that my spot is secure. Because I'm someone that, if I'm less than 100%, I'm not good enough. I'm either all in or I'm, I'm not going in at all. Like, there's no middle ground. Which means when I start to spiral down the path of insecurity, I, I, I go 100%. And I knew this week that I was going to be talking to you about insecurity, and so I purposed ahead of time that, like, I, 
I was going to I was going to do it right. That I wasn't going to let the devil get me off track this week. I was proactive with some things. I, I set up some some guardrails for me. And I was doing really great until Thursday night. <laughs> and then someone said something so stupid, like the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. She said it to me. And looking back, considering the source, it probably isn't even true. But I fell hard for it. Like so hard that when I got home and I was telling my husband what she said and what I said and what she said, it wasn't even like that. I just said what she said. And I was like, I have to resign. I have to quit. I'm not good enough. They don't like me. They're all unhappy with me. Like it's a, it's a bus crash and I'm in the driver's seat. Told you, I spiraled really fast. Luckily, my husband does not. But you see, in those moments when I feel that insecurity rising up, I have to do a gut check. And I know my husband said last week, we can't trust our gut, but you get what I'm saying. When I feel the insecurity rising up, I have to be intentional to remember that, I'm sorry, I don't have anything to prove to anyone because I'm a child of God, and he already likes me. And even if you don't, and even if you spew this ugliness on me, I'm still going to be okay. I might not like what you said, but I'm still going to be okay. And if I can remember that it was God's grace for me that gave me my spot and his grace that keeps my spot, I can walk securely in my thoughts and in my actions and in my convictions and morals and in my relationships. Your spot is secure. Ephesians, the rest of 2.8 says this, is for grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. God gave me my spot, and he keeps my spot secure. I want to finish up this message with this last thought, and it's this. You can be secure in your relationships and in your life because your source is steady. Or you could say it like this. The source of your security is steady. Look what Paul says in verse 8. He says, With all wisdom and understanding, he, meaning God, made it known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. So what's the source of our security? Where do we get knowledge and understanding from? Where do we get redemption and forgiveness? What's the source of all of that? It's God. It's him. It's not me. It's God. God's always been the source. He's always had this plan since before time was created, and he's never changed the course or the direction. He made one plan and no backups. And because he's our source and he is steady, we can be secure. Maybe you're in a place in your relationships with friends or family or in your home where you feel like it's shaky, it's unstable, it's uncertain. The relationship might be, but you don't have to be because your source is steady. That means that if I'm in Christ, my source is the person of Christ, then perfect love casts out fear, and I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be insecure. God has
had a plan for you since before time began. For thousands and thousands of years, he's never wavered. He's never changed. He's never swayed with the trends of the world and culture. The Bible says that the grass may wither and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains the same. Our source has always been steady. So I can live secure. And now with this security, I can step into friendships and into working relationships. I can step into my marriage and into my parenting. Every relationship I have, I can step into them and bring the healthiest me to them. You might not get it right all the time, and you'll have to remember things like Christ is my source. My source is steady. So even if I'm on shaky ground, my, circum my, my source is steady. I'm going to be okay. A sign of health is growth. Healthy people are constantly growing in their security, and they're not letting their insecurities manipulate them or master them. It's not that insecurities don't rise up and flare up, because they do, but healthy people who are growing in their security are not letting the inner critic of their mind be the loudest voice. They are allowing the Word of God to be their source and their strength. So what's your secret service do for you? It reminds you that you have everything you need. It tells you that you have worth, that your spot is safe, and that your source is steady. God's got you. He's your secret service. Would you pray with me this morning?